God woke you up this morning and got you on your way, can I hear somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Now, can I hear somebody else say, praise the Lord? Incredible. Good to have you here, wherever campus you're joining us from. It is an honor, honor, honor to have you here on today. So, whether you're joining us from uh, Prosper, whether you're joining us from uh, Louisville, Dallas, or Garland, or, or Worldwide Team, we are just honored to have you, so thanks so much for being here. Uh, today, before we get started, I want to honor a couple people. Uh, first of all, uh, our Garland campus, Pastor Baxter, his wife, uh, Brandy just received her doctorate degree in leadership. Will you help me thank her, please? Well done, Brandy. We're proud of you, young lady. Great job, great job, great job. Seriously, well done. Number two, second thing I want to remind you is that if you have a kid, uh, whatever campus you're at, you need to know that um, a number of you have asked us over and over again, hey, can you tell me a little bit uh, about why we don't start a school? And you want us to start a, a school uh, and so on and so forth. And we have consistently said, uh, no, that's not what we're doing. So, but what we have decided to do is to do um, a summer school program where we have different things we offer every week. We cannot compete. We cannot do the best we can and compete with other schools. There's some great schools here during the semester, but we are going to own the summer in the name of Jesus. So if you have a kid, I'm just telling you, if you have a kid, I'm just telling you, it is your assignment to get them here. We got the best of the best of the best. Um, and so you just want to bring your kid. Okay? I promise you, I promise, just come one time. I went somewhere, I saw them do it, and I'm like, why are there not more people here? Um, 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 that's dark skin. And I said, in the name of Jesus, we're bringing it to one community church. And so it's here. And now you now have to take it on for yourself. Okay? I'm just telling you, just go check it out. It's the best you will ever find anywhere from the last week of school all the way to the last week of July. You must go take it on. That's all I can say. It's yours. And what I don't want is other people to fill it up and not you and me. Okay? Can I get a witness somebody? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to, I'm telling you, because it's going to be filled up. And it's going to be filled up with other folk. And I need you to be here, okay? I'm just telling you. And if you, if you have a little struggle, we can help a little. Don't be, don't be asking us for full rides for the whole deal. We're not giving no full ride out. But we're going to help you a little. If we need to help you a little. Oh, amen. Somebody say a little. I know what you're thinking. Ooh, and don't call the office. Pastor said I can come for free. Um, we'll help you a little. Amen. All right, we got a lot to cover. So um, look at your neighbor and say, smile at me. Smile, 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 smile. Look at the other one and say, you look good. Make sure it's your spouse. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I just got in trouble a while ago. <laughs> let's pray and let's get started. Um, who do I have a word for today? I know I had a difficult time coming back because the devil was trying to stop this, okay? But this word is for all of one community church, every last one of us. It's for us. Uh, so let's pray and then let's get to the word. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you have blessed us so mightily. We're deeply grateful for your, for your favor on this house. Now, God, prepare all our hearts because I believe this is transformative. So may you shift us to another dimension based on the truth revealed in this word in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Will you stand with me wherever you are? Let's read the word of the Lord, please. <clears throat> we're, in, <clears throat> we're in Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. We're going to start with verse number 23 and verse number 24. Only two verses we can handle. Uh, <clears throat> I want you to read it with me. Here we go. Verse number 23. Now, here we go. Uh, everybody together. Thus. Of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his my 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 my. You see how quickly you just you just gloss over this verse. <clears throat> Come here. Um, so first of all, <clears throat> we notice the word boast. Everybody said the word boast. We notice it again. Boast. <clears throat> Come on, say it with me. We notice it one more time. Boast. The word boast means hallelujah, <clears throat> hallelujahing yourself. 
boast means that you love to tell yourself, <clears throat> good job, buddy, good job. <clears throat> boast means you love to sing to yourself, hallelujah, salvation and glory. Look at me how good I am. He tells us there's some stuff you shouldn't boast in. <laughs> Number one, he says, let not a... That's, that's education. He says... Quit boasting because you, you have a diploma and you graduated high school. Quit boasting because you, you graduated college or you got your MBA or you got your nursing degree or, or you got whatever degree you got. And quit boasting because you got your doctor. He says, he says, what you're doing is you're walking around and saying hallelujah to me. He says, be careful when you do that because you're setting yourself up for danger. Ah, he's talking to us, ain't he? Ain't he? All of you who have degrees and everything, he's talking to us. Right here, he's talking to us. I ain't done yet. Come here. Then he says, that's wisdom. Secondly, he says, and let not the... Uh-huh. He says, mighty refers to strength, which then refers to either physical strength or positional strength. Physical strength means how you, how you look. Uh, 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 positional strength means the title you got. He says, be careful and don't boast about your physical strength. Just because you got a six-pack don't mean you, all your shirts need to be cut off. Ah. <laughs> uh. Just because you go to the gym a lot don't mean everything needs to be cut off and you, you know, I just don't feel a jacket. And you don't need one size too small. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because I'm an equal opportunity preacher, now I just talked to the guys. I'm going to talk to the ladies. Just because you, 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 worked your little, you, you worked yourself up don't mean everything Everything don't need to be tight, and everybody don't need to see everything you got. Say it, preacher. Say it, preacher. <laughs> the, the text says, quit boasting about yourself. Quit hallelujah in yourself. You're getting dressed, looking in, look, getting dressed, looking in the mirror, talking about what's going to move them today. If you're doing that, say it. If when you go in the mirror to get up to come to, to, ch to church, you look in the mirror and talk about, mm-mm, this is too big. It ain't tight enough. Mm-mm, they need to see a little more because I'm going to get somebody today. If you're going to get somebody and not God provide them for you, you're heading in the wrong direction. Somebody over here mad already. I haven't even started yet. Somebody over here, man, can't believe he's talking about it. Just because he's a little overweight, he's teasing us. <laughs> Anyways, number three. <laughs> don't, bo don't boast, don't boast, don't boast. Last one, let not a, here we go, this all of us now, let not a, rich my God. And before you say you're not rich, I've helped you a hundred times since we started this church. A rich man is somebody who got food in your refrigerator for tomorrow. If you don't have to think about food for tomorrow, then you're poor. But if you got food in the fridge, I didn't say you have to like the food. But if you got food in your fridge, that means you're rich. Here's what he says. Don't let the rich man boast. Look what I got. Look at me. Look at my car. If you can't park your car regular, but you got to park your car so that nobody can open their door and hit it. Oh, somebody mad at me today already. And he making me stand long. Say it. If you got your house, and it's a brand new house, and you love your bling bling house, but you don't want nobody to come over? Or if you want them to come over, it's just so that they can impress with your house? 
then you, you hallelujah in yourself. You have, if, if when they come over, they can't do nothing. No, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. No, you know how much that costs? You know how much that costs? What you do? No, no. If when it's raining, you call them and say, don't come because you might take your dirty shoes in my house. He said, don't boast, don't boast, don't boast, don't boast, don't boast. All right, that's enough for one day. Let's go on because y'all mad. I got to let you sit down. Next verse, here we go now. If you're going to boast about something, let's go. Let him boast. My, my, my. What must I boast about? Here we go. He understands and knows that's Yahweh. That you know God. What you need to boast about is that I'm a Christ follower. That's what you need to boast about. And apart from Christ, I would be nothing. Apart from Christ, I wouldn't have the money. I wouldn't be as smart as I am. I wouldn't have the strength I am. All of it is because of Jesus, not because of me. I'm trying to help somebody. Here we go. What, what are you boasting about him? Whatever he's going to say, you and I are not. He says, this is what you need to boast about. You need to boast about me. Why do you need to boast about me? Here we go. That I am the who exercises Stop right there. <laughs> this is all in the Bible. This is what I tell you. It's the best book on the planet. Loving kindness. You don't have loving kindness. Loving kindness says, it's called, it's, it's hesed. That's the word that's used. It says where God gives all of him for your benefit. All of God for your benefit. You don't do that. And don't tell, oh, yes, I do it for my boo. I do. No, you don't. But let's, let's, that's not the point today. Let's leave that alone. He says, exercises, loving kindness, number two, justice, and my God, on the earth. Here we go. Watch this now. God speaking. For I, in these things, declares he delights in giving you all of him. He delights in providing justice so you don't have to fight for it. He, he delights in being righteous, that is, without flaw. He delights in it so that you can be before the Father because of his righteousness that he's ultimately going to give to you. He delights in making things easier for you. So if, you go, if you're going to boast, he says, boast in him. You may be seated in the house. You may be seated. Lord, have mercy. Collin County, Dayton County, all the suburbs, I'm coming at you today. If you're in Uptown Dallas, I'm coming at you today in the name of Jesus. Here's why. Because I am going to suggest to you today that we have defined success incorrectly. And God is trying to give us a global reset so that we can uh, 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 define success appropriately and then head toward it. Too many people today define success uh, a number of different ways by their education. They define it by their strength and they define it by their riches. Um, those are all false measures of success. Let me give you three of them real quick. Some people defined it, as Jeremiah 29, 23 says, educationally. That means look at my education, look what I have done, and because I've done it, I am now somebody. You get your identity based on your education. You get your success and meaning in life based on your education. By the way, some people would argue uh, and, and argue partially correctly that, well, my, my, my kids need to be educated because that's the way out of poverty. And that's true. But if they're cheating their way through it, a part of education has to include character and integrity. Or else it's not biblical education. It's the whole thing. It's not a part of. And so, and so while this does, what God is saying is, that's not the source of it. The source of it is me. Secondly, um, your strength. That is, just because you've got the senior VP position, just because now you're a partner, just because now you're the CEO, just because now you're, you're an entrepreneur that runs your own stuff, he says, that's not where your joy should come from. That's not where you pat yourself on the back. You've got to tether everything you are to who God is because it is him as the source that's allowing you to have all the things you get to enjoy. And then lastly, he says, financial success. He says, listen, please, please listen. What you got is because of my grace, not because of your little smartness, but it's because of my grace and my favor on your life. 
Therefore, be careful that you're not defining your financial success and boasting about it, about look at me. Now, if you look at the other one, there are three questions that a culture tends to ask when it comes to success. And so the questions are these. Number one, the, the culture uses how I look. How I look defines success. Do I look good? Do I, do I feel good? Do, do pe are people impressed with me? You know what it looks like. <clears throat> Many of you go into stores all the time. You go into them, and there are two shirts. It's the same shirt, but the logo is on one. One costs $8.99. The other costs 289 all because of a logo. And you will spend the 289 every time to impress people who couldn't care a rip about you, nor your logo. But yet still, the culture has taught us that how I look is so very important. And because it is, this is how you know I'm successful. So if, if I've got the, the, the appropriate jewelry on, if I got the appropriate uh, clutch with me, if I got the appropriate purse, if I got the appropriate, then it means I'm somebody. If, if I can see you and tell you how much that costs, then it means you're successful. That's what the culture has argued, and that's what the culture has said. So the more, the more red bottoms you have, the culture says, then the more, the more, the more you have arrived. I could stay there, but I have too much to say. Number two, second thing is what I have. The stuff you have defines you. So now, in the same way, the, 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 the car you drive, the, 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 the 401K you have, the, the, the benefits that you have, and the lifetime benefits, and the clubs you're a part of, and, 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 and you build your whole life around you and around, around how you look and what you have because you care deeply about what the culture has to say, sometimes to the neglect of what God has to say. Number three, third one says, who I know. So now you're walking around bragging because you know somebody. And so now you love to name drop. Because, yeah, 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 I was with, I was with Diddy the other day. Uh, I was chilling with him, and uh, we were talking, and uh, I got his number right here. If you ever need him, let me know. I can get a hookup. Because, because you don't have an identity for yourself. Your identity has to be attached to who you know because, because, because your God is not good enough to create a unique you. He has to allow you to add your name to somebody else's name. The only name you need, the only name you want to be added to is the name above all names. His name is Jesus. Now, where we're headed today then is uh, what success really is determined by. Watch it now. So success is not made up of any of these. Biblical success, that is. Success is determined by, say it with me, who I, that's not everybody, who I, last time, who I, that's your character. That's your character. This is going to be very important in a minute as we turn the page over. Well, let's, let's, let's deal with one more. Greed is not having money. It's having the wrong attitude about money. Okay, turn the page over now. Let's see if we can head it in the direction of where I want to camp out today. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, what I'm trying to suggest to you today is the first passage, Jeremiah chapter 9 says, that success ought to be tethered to your relationship with God. It ought not to be tethered only to education, finances, and your strength. It ought to be tethered. It ought to be tied to your intimate relationship with God. There are too many people that define success, and God is nowhere in there. Ah, let me help you out. Let me say, Pastor, how you know that. There are too many people that your success is exclusively about your family. Your success, is, it don't have nothing to do with God's kingdom. When I look at your will, none of it has to do with God's kingdom. It's all about your family. So if God is going to bless you and it's just for your family, that is this generation, the next year, well, I don't want my family to have to work for the rest of their lives. That's so unwise. But anyways, um, I, 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 I want this generation to be good. I want the next generation to be good. And I want the next generation. So I'm just building it for generations. And God's kingdom is not anywhere near there. Here's what you just said. L let me boast about myself. Let me boast about my education. Let me boast about my riches. Let me boast about my strength. Look what I've accomplished. And all I'm saying to you is, if that's what you want, that's fine. But that's worldly success that has nothing to do with theological and biblical success. Because biblical success has to be tied to God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come is what you ought to be concerned about. God, what are you doing in your kingdom? And how can I help advance that? 
if it's not, you cannot be, you cannot have what the Bible calls biblical success. So whenever, you, whenever you're trying to define words, you ought to look and see where in the Bible was it first mentioned. And then it's called the theology of first mention, right? So when you, when you find it, then you've got to go back, look at it, and see the context of that word. How was it first used? Come with me, Joshua chapter 1. That's where we pick it up. Joshua chapter 1, here's what it says. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to, to the sons of Israel. Now, here's what he says. Moses, my servant, is Moses is dead. What does that mean? It means, Joshua, what I'm going to do in you, um, I've done it through Moses already. He's dead. It's not Moses' time anymore. It's your turn. By the way, please note that Joshua was faithful as a number two player for over 50 years. Faithful. I don't know too many people that can be faithful for over, two, for over 50 years, and then God says, no, you the leader. You see, you have some number twos that just love to be number twos, and they don't ever want to be number ones. But when you're a number two for that long, and then God says, no, you're number one, you'd be like, whoa, God, whoa, not me, not me, Mm-mm, not me, not me. I like when somebody else taking all the flag, not me. I wonder how long God has you in the number two slot. And I wonder if you're trying to make waves to be in the number one slot on your job, wherever you are, because you're trying to figure out how you can get there as quickly as you can get there. As opposed to asking God, well, God, maybe you want me in the number two slot for a reason. What is that reason? God, what do you want me to do? Everybody in this country, actually worldwide, wants to be in the number one slot. But you must ask, God, are you calling me in this season to be in the number two slot? Because I can't see like you can see. Your ways are not my ways. So am I supposed to be in the number two slot? And when is it the time for me to move from the number two slot to the number one slot? But nobody asked that question. You always believe when a number one slot opens, it's always God has your name on it. And sometimes you need to stay in the number two slot. Because God's doing something that you cannot see. Now watch it now. But it's hard to stay in the number two slot and then all of a sudden... You get the number one slot, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Okay, hold on now. What must I do? Because I've, I've grown so comfortable in the number two slot that I've never thought about God leading me to the number one slot. Therefore, be careful because Joshua, Moses, was a better leader than Joshua. You'd be like, what? Notice when Moses dies, he has already had his guy ready to take it on. When Joshua dies, it inaugurated the, one of the worst seasons in Israel's history because there was nobody to pick up after him. My God. Here's the next question for you then. What happens if you leave your job? Does everything go haywire or are they ready because you have prepared your apprentice to take it on? What happens if you're not there anymore? Is there, is there a game plan ready to take over your responsibilities when you're gone. Lord have mercy. Say it to somebody, Holy Spirit. Here we go. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving you, to them, to the sons of Israel. Next verse, verse 3. Here we go. Every place on which the sole of your foot, say this word with me. That's not everybody. Say this word with me. Good. No, you got you to understand the words in the Bible. Treads. Treads. Everywhere, the sole of my foot, Treads. Whoa, 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 whoa. The word treads, we get from the word that um, is used where they are trampling on grapes so that as they're trampling on it, something new is being created. It, when they got there, it was grapes. When they were done, it was wine. Something new has been created. What's God saying? God's saying, no, no, Joshua, listen. When you go here, I'm going to give you and set you up with the land. But I don't want it to stay land. I want you to create something new based on what I have given you. He says, Joshua, I want you, when, you, when I bless you with this inheritance, for it to be and for you to create something that's never been there before. I'm giving you the raw material, but I want you to take it to a whole nother level. The problem for some of us is God's given us something. And it's the same as he gave it to us. Because we have not done anything with it. And nothing new has been created because of it. 
And so God is like, have you hidden the gift, the talent, the opportunity that I've given you because of your fear? Or are you creating something new based on what I have given to you? Watch the text. It gets better. He says, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. Next verse, verse number four. Here we go now. From the, no, go to verse number five. Um, it says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. God says, I'm giving you the promise. And number two, I'm giving you my presence. Everywhere I go, he says, everywhere I go, everywhere you go, I'll be with you. Therefore, my presence goes with you, which therefore means no man will be able to stand before you. In other words, what I give you, nobody can take from you. Which is why you don't worry about what somebody else wants to take. If God opens the door and they take it, it's fine. It wasn't yours to begin with. So quit worrying, quit fussing, and realize that there's another door coming. And because it's coming, you can smile at the storm that you're currently in. Don't lose sleep over somebody else getting something that you thought was yours. Because God says, if I've given it to you, ain't nobody can take it away from you. Ah, see? Um, 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 uh, my, sp- my spiritual father one day, when they were in their old building, they were in the, they're meeting in a school, and the school <clears throat> was all ready, and, and they were meeting in school, and they were excited about it. They didn't have a building yet as a church, and they're trying to figure out what to do. The school board comes and says, hey, you know what? We don't like y'all. We think y'all need to leave and find somewhere else, but they didn't have anywhere to, find, to go. So the school board had a meeting this one day, and there were 11 of them on there, <clears throat> and they, they had the meeting, so the Pastor and somebody else got together and they're praying, God, we don't have anywhere to go. We know we're doing what you've called us to do. Uh, the school board told them, uh, I think you're going to lose this vote. I think, I think you're going to lose this vote by, by, uh, by one based on, you know, what we preliminary know is going to happen. So then they, they're praying and the, the school board's having their meeting and they're, they're trying to discern what to do and they're going to get a vote. All right. And so they're at, at the church praying and saying, God, please, can you please work this out? Can you please work this out? And they're praying. What God has for you is for you. So um, the, the meeting starts at 6 o'clock. They didn't call them at 6.30. They didn't call them at 7. They didn't call them at 7.30. They called them at about 8.05. At 8.05, they called and said, hey, listen, uh, I don't know what y'all did, but God is gracious. You got the building. They said, but hold on. What, what, what happened? They said, well, um, it was supposed to be 11 of us, but only nine of us showed up. The reason only nine of us showed up is because the one board member decided to drive with another board member to the car, to the, to the, to the building. And when they, got, when they got in the car together, there was an accident on the road. And the accident delayed them. So they came two hours later than they're supposed to be. We couldn't wait any longer. So we took the vote. And y'all won five to four because God had to held up them two fools who wanted to vote against him. What is yours? It's yours. And God will allow anything to happen to make sure that you keep what he has promised you. That's a word for somebody today that you need to remember. You don't have to fight for it. God says, I, if I promise you, I'll give it to you. And it's yours. So don't, if, it, if somebody else got it, don't fuss and cuss. Have a praise party. Because what he's saying is that wasn't yours to begin with. Eyes have not seen what I plan to give you. The text continues. Next verse, verse number six. The text, be strong, he says this four times. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to you. He says, be strong and courageous. Why do you say those two words? One, because he says, I know what you're going to do. When you see them giants, you, you're going to be weak. When you see them giants, you're not going to be courageous. You're going to want to cower and run in the other direction. So I'm not going to tell you one time. I'm going to tell you four times. Be strong and courageous. Here's why you need to be strong and courageous. Not because of your strength. Not because of your education. Not because of how much money you have. But because I am with you. That's why you can be strong and courageous. Because you have the baddest person on the planet, i.e. God, with you. Therefore, you don't have to fear anything. He continues. Next verse. Here's what he says. He then says, only second time, be strong. This time, he says, and courageous. That's the second time he uses the phrase. Be careful. Whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the, or to the, so that you may, here's a word, so that you may have wherever you go. First time it's used. Notice, notice, the time it's used, it's tethered to the word of God. 
Notice, I don't care what the world says success is. When God uses the word, it says, this book, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the law to the right nor to the, here's what he says. He says, I want you to stay aligned with me. Here's our sermon now. I want you to stay aligned with me. And when you stay aligned, I don't want you to go to the left. I don't want you to go, watch it now. I don't want you to go to the right. I don't want you to use your, your own human opinion on stuff. I don't want you to tell people what you think you should do. I want you to follow what the Word of God says. You don't need to cheat on taxes. You don't need to do anything else except stay aligned with what I've called you to do. Don't go to the left nor to the right. The text gets better. Watch this. That's the first time we see the word to success. What's the context of it? Follow the word of God. He says, my servant says it, and he commanded you, when you see the word success, don't turn from the Bible to the left nor to the right. Next verse. Watch it now. Then he says, let me explain the context of this word success. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Whoa, why does he use mouth? Why does he use mouth as the illustration for what should not happen, with what you should do with the Word of God? He says, you eat every day. So the more you eat, the more you're satisfied. He says, the more you intake my Word, the more you will be satisfied. He uses the imagery of mouth, and he says, the more you take it in, the more satisfied you'll be. In other words, he says, as you stay in alignment with my word and you start intaking my word inside, then the more satisfied you will be. The more you decide that I'm going to do it my way or I'm going to deviate from the word, the less satisfied you'd be. And I know you know people who got a whole bunch of money and zero joy. Because if it's just about money, if it's just about power, if it's just about education, then you know too many people that's jumping. You know how you know? Because when you're losing money like you're losing, how many trillions of dollars lost in value that's happened over the last couple of days, and people ready to jump off buildings because they can't believe it. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. That's because they have placed their trust in money. And they have placed, listen, their, you too, your security in money, which is why your whole life has been, how do I get as much of it as I can? And you have not been tethered to the word of God and the kingdom of God. So therefore, meaning for you is exclusively, what do I have now and what do my kids have in the future? And it has nothing to do with God's kingdom. Woo! Say it, Pastor. Say it, Pastor. Here we go. You, but you shall meditate on it day and night, which means I want you to think about this thing all day long, which means when somebody comes to you for advice, you know what you should be telling them? The word of God, not your opinion. And when you listen to other folk, you must listen for what they think. You must listen to what the word says that's coming from their mouth. And if it's not word, then you should say, thank you. Oh, that, no, what you should, here's what you should say. Hmm, okay. Hmm, all right. Thanks. I mean, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Crazy. And then you go to somebody who knows the word. Because what you need is the word. Because it is the te being tethered to the word that's going to bring you the success that you need. That is biblical success. I'm not talking about worldly success. I'm talking about biblical success, which means, God, if I have it, perfect. If I don't have it, perfect. Neither of them will affect my joy because my joy don't come from what I got. My joy comes from you. And don't you, I promise you, you, you we must learn from illustrations that's happening in other countries. You, sometimes we're too, we're, too, we're too myopic in our orientation. We only focus on what's happening in America, and we don't look at what's happening in the rest of the world. This is a, there's a classic case of what's happening in the rest of the world that you better be perked up and be listening to. Because the rest of the world, not the rest of the world, let's go right where Ukraine is and right where Russia is. And people who were filthy rich are losing some of that wealth right now. And some of them are like, if it's not about money, what the heck is it about? You got the answer. But you're living like you don't have the answer. Anyways, the text continues. Here we go. Um, don't part from your meditating in there so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have 
second time the word is used. Watch what it's tethered to. What is it tethered to? You knowing the word, you meditating on the word, and you being careful to do everything in it. Notice it's all about God and his kingdom. When you leave God out of your success, you are setting yourself up for pain. It will hurt you unless God is at the center. You know why? Some of you, so God's not even in your, in your will. Say to the word, God's not even in your will. You know why? Because you don't have a clue about biblical success. What's in your will is, is all you. If God, if God was to say, all right, what do you want me to bless you with? It's all you. Has nothing to do with anybody else. Why? Because we have not been taught what biblical success looks like. Because you should be tethering what you're doing to God's kingdom and not just your family. You will be hurt when you see what happens to your money when the third generation gets it. You're going to be in heaven looking like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I'm so sorry, Jesus. I can't believe that knucklehead. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jesus. Because you're tethering it to you. Anyways, let's go. Um, um, meditate on it. That means chew it over and over and over again. All the days of your life, both morning and night. You know what happens to the cow? The cow chews it, then regurgitates it, then chew it, then regurgitates it, then chew it, then regurgitates it. So much so that by the time it's done, it's all liquid as it's going down. Lord have mercy. Hey, look at your notes now. Here's what the note says. The note says, number one, you ought to put them all up. Let's go through this real quick. Number one, you ought to leave the past behind. Moses is dead. Number two, you ought to see, seize your spiritual inheritance. Let me, let me give you a little, let me frame that up just a little bit. Um, your spiritual inheritance means that God has a customized purpose for all of us. That's why in um, Acts chapter 13, verse 36, here's, here's what it says about David. David fulfilled the purposes of God for his life and then died. What should yours say? Your name fulfilled the purposes of God. Not your purposes. The purposes of God for your life and then it was time to go. What I'm concerned about is what most of y'all's epitaphs will say is this. It will say, he did what he wanted to do and then he says, I'm out. Not you fulfill the purposes of God for you, which means you should be resting. That's God's promise to you, to fulfill the purposes that he has for you. Anyways, he says, seize your spiritual inheritance. Then he says, be strong and courageous. Then he says, speak the book with your mouth. Then he says, save the book. Don't delete it. Don't forget it. Save it by meditating in it. And then he says, swallow it so it can drive your entire life. So he says. So what's, why, why is that important? Because it tees up for us what success is is and what it means. It has to be tethered, Jeremiah chapter 9, first to your intimate relationship with God, second to the Word of God. All right, let me do this and then I'll, I'll get to what I really want to talk about today. Um, um, first of all, uh, uh, the NFL has, a, the NFL has a, a rule book, comes from New York to every team. That rule book says, this is the play you work. This is it. If you're out of these bounds, then it's, it's a foul, it's not legal, it's not my will. Then every team have their playbook. The NFL have their rule book, each team has their playbook. The playbook of the teams must be in the bounds of the rule book. The, 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 the rule book says, this is how I want you to live. The playbook says, here's our customized plan for this particular game as we go forward. Here's what God says. God says, I've given you the, the word of God. That is the rule book. But there's some things that are not in the rule book that you need answers to. For example, where should, should I live here or here? Should I move or should I stay? Um, who, who should I marry? There, there's some things that's not explicit in the rule book. Just like there's some things when, um, when Joshua went to fight Jericho, he couldn't get and figure out some stuff. So he says, God, you're weird. He says, God, you're weird. How must I march around this place? So, no, I can't do that. That don't make no sense to me. But God says, I, I didn't ask if it made sense. I ask you to be obedient. But Joshua says, but it's not in the rule book. That's why I'm giving you, not Joshua, but you and me, the Holy Spirit. He told Joshua what to do. So Joshua, I want you to march around. But this is not normal. This is not what normal armies do. That's because I'm not a normal God. Ladies and gentlemen, God's going to tell you to do some stuff, and it's going to be weird. And it's going to be foolish to the world. And God still wants to know, are you going to follow me? Are you going to obey me and do what I say? Because God's ways are not like yours. 
So therefore, if, if it's usually all calculated and all precise, it's probably not God. Because he knows your education can get credit for that. So he's going, he's going to give you a curveball and say, that's what you want to do. And you're going to say, no, here's all God says. God says, is it, in my, is it in the book of the law? If it is, then that's good. Then for us New Testament believers now, he says, I'm going to allow my Holy Spirit to guide you. But the Holy Ghost is not going to guide you outside of the rule book. The Holy Ghost is going to guide you inside the rule book. So therefore, the Holy Ghost is going to give you a thought that you never had before. The Holy Ghost is going to allow somebody to come into your life and speak truth to you, and you're going to say, oh, my gosh, that's the answer I was waiting on. But the Holy Ghost has a way in which he finds the subjective truth to give it to you, but it's always going to be in the bounds of the rule book. That's why what blows my mind is people who live in crazy, I mean, wretched lives talking about, well, the Lord told me. God ain't telling you about his, your plan when you ain't obeying what he has already told you to do. But you love talking about, yeah, man, me and God were talking and uh, somebody's shacking. And they say, yeah, God told me I don't need to, I, I can stay shacking for a little longer. That, let me tell you something. That ain't God. That's some, that's some, that's a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Ghost. You like that one, huh? Because it don't apply to you. Let me, let me bring one close to you now. Let me bring one real close to you. Yeah, I just don't feel him anymore, Pastor, so I'm just going to walk out. I mean, I mean, God don't want me to be miserable. Yes, he does. But anyways, God don't want me to be miserable, so he wouldn't want me in a, in a miserable marriage. Yeah, he does. In the name of Jesus. That's confirmed word. He does want you to be miserable. His son was miserable. His son despised it. Didn't want to go through it. And he still did. If he can pick up a cross, you can... You can you can control your feelings for a little while in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Can I get a word? Can I get a witness on that? <laughs> Some of you be like. He beside me too. She beside me. Let's go. So what, what's my definition then? Success then should, should be, should be um, um, directly tied to a couple of things, three things. Number one, here we go now. Number one, it should be tied to your experiential knowledge of God. That's Jeremiah 9. Then it should, the growth, the growth of your intimate relationship with God. Okay? So these two, it should be tied to. No, excuse me. This is, this is um, Joshua 1. This is Jeremiah 9. So both of them, when the word success shows up, should be tied to these two. Watch it now. Watch it now. The last thing I said on the front page was um, uh, success is tied to your character. So here's a, here's a working definition for success, and then let's get ready to land this plane. Here's what success is. It's determined by who I am. Now, here's what it is. The third one in your notes, second page. Here it is. Success is defined as those who know me the best, love and respect me the most. Think about that for a moment. How do I know your character? Because those who know you the best don't lie. Those who live with you, don't lie. So those who know me the best, that's who I'm trying to please. I'm trying to please God, and I'm trying to please my wife, and I'm trying to please my kids. They know me the best. Do those people love and respect me the most? Because you can't fake them out. It's easy for you to fake anybody else out. But you can't fake out those who see you consistently. See, too many people define success as what you can achieve or what you have or who likes you or how many followers you have. That ain't so. Success is the people who know you the most. Do they love you? Do they want to spend time with you? When they leave your house, do they want to come back and hang out with you? Or are they just glad they got out? Glory to God. They're having a worship service because they left your crazy house. <laughs> Character. No, for real. Be careful of your definition of success. If you do it by how much money you have in the market, then God bless you when it goes down. You're going to have a heart attack. If you do it by the stuff you have, then when the stuff starts to fail, you're going to be depressed and disappointed. But if you do it by those who know you the most, love and respect you, then here we go. Now, now last part and then we're done. But this part is gold, not platinum, whatever is more than that. Everybody, forget, if you don't want to remember nothing, don't, this is what you must not forget. I'm going to give you seven things to know 
whether or not you're headed for disaster. So, um, he said, let's go um, uh, lessons from a crash site. Why is it that so many people who to us seem so successful have failed? Why is there, why, why is there lives? Everybody around them hate them. But those who don't know him a lot love him. Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Built from a $50 investment to a billion-dollar firm. And his son, Matthew, said, Dad, I will never wear Nike. I will never wear the swish. You know why, Dad? Because you gave that company all of my time. And I didn't have a dad. But they had a shoe. So since you sold me out for them, I'll never wear a shoe with a swish for the rest of my life. He was, he was successful, the world standards. But those most important to him, he'd give it all up for his son to love him. Let me show you how it happened. Don't you ever forget it. Number one. Um, here it is. Number one. <clears throat> Number one is money. Every one of these have a stabilizer. Whenever you're using a tight, whenever you see one of those tight rope walkers walking on a, on a string, the reason they have a balancing pole is so that that balancing pole it can stabilize them so that they don't fall off alignment. The balancing pole is designed to keep their balance centered and focused so that they can stay on the pole. Let me help you out, ladies and gentlemen. Do not, I promise you, don't forget this. If all you do is focus on money, then when you're on the pole, you're over here, and all you do is focus on money, and the pole is like this, you're going to ultimately get off of alignment. You will, because you have made your entire goal making as much money as you can. If you're going to stabilize your pursuit of money, then you have to stabilize that by being generous. And the more money you get, the more generous you ought to be. You ought to tell yourself, the more money I get, the more I'm going to increase what I give. So 10% is nothing if what you're making is so much money. Listen now. So the only way to stabilize it is you're on the pole and you're saying to yourself, self, I know I'm making more money. And the money is good, and it's looking good. But, but I can't stay over here. God, give me some opportunities to give, God. Give me some opportunities to give, God. Please, Lord, I'm going to give more, God. I'm going to give more. Why? Because you want to have an appropriate level of stability. And if you focus only on money, you will be toppled, and it will not be pretty. Can I get a witness, somebody? That's number one. I got seven more. Come on, quickly. No, that's number one. Let's go. The second one says, the second one says, uh, here, here, here we go. The second one is the more successful you are, the more people are going to put you on a pedestal. They're going, to, they're going to pump you up. The more money you get, the more successful you are, the more notoriety you have. And they're going to say, oh, my gosh, can I just talk to you for five minutes? I mean, you've changed my life, my whole life. You don't know. You just don't know. People say to me sometimes, oh, my gosh, it's you. Oh, my gosh. And, they, and they, they, they go ballistic, right? Listen, if you let that nonsense get to your head and you let them put you on that pedestal, you're not just going to fall down. You're going to burn. It, by burn, I mean you're going to burn out and crash because it's going to get to your head and you're going to think it's because of what they do. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way to balance that out is by serving people. Every time somebody puts you on a pedestal, you ought to quickly say, God, give me some people to serve. And you ought to go serve in the, in the most humbling places you can ever find yourself. It's why I love that some of our CEOs in our church are serving in our kids' area. Because it don't have nothing to do with making a whole lot of money. It has to do with just giving back. It's a beautiful thing to watch. And if they don't do it, then the more and more people that call them, hey, can you, hey, can you give me, hey, I want, hey, can you please? If you don't balance that thing out with serving, 
then you're going to get toppled. It's only a matter of time. You got to take yourself off the pedestal. You got to say you're not that good. You got to tell yourself only God is that good. Because if you don't, it will get to your head. And all of a sudden, stuff that, um, ah, ah. I, I can tell you why, why our, pres our former president, no, I don't have time for that. Let's go. I really don't. I really don't. Let's, that's, 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 that's not, let's just move on. Uh, number three. Uh, number three. Put up number three for me, please. What's number three, everybody? Image. Here it is. <laughs> number three is how you look. Lord have mercy. So on number three, here's what you say. On number three, you say, ooh, I got to make sure I keep the image up. Ooh, I got to make sure I look good. Ooh, I got to make sure people know that I have arrived. Ooh, I've got to have the best of everything. Ooh, I've got to make sure people know that I'm different than everybody else. If you believe the hype, and if you don't be realistically authentic, that is, if you don't say, hey, this is how it looks on Instagram, but this is the real deal. Okay? Every now and again, you, I told you all this already, but I'm going to tell you again. Every now and again, you need to just tell somebody on Instagram why you suck, why you're not that good. You need to tell somebody. And you just say, hey, here's a good day that looks really bad, but it's my life today. And it don't look good, but it's the truth. Here's what you do when you do that. You lower your image, and you make God the center of the story and not you by showing them the real deal about who you really are. Can I get a witness, somebody? I'm trying to help you. Success stabilizers, that's number two. If you don't have it, you will get right off of God's alignment, and you'll go to the left or you'll go to the right. What's the next one, everybody? And ooh, Okay, let's live right here for a moment. Entitlement. Entitlement says, I'm entitled to that. I have enough money now. When people give you stuff all your life, you don't even realize how good you got it and how entitled you are. Ladies and gentlemen, we're some entitled people. We really are. The more you got, the more entitled you become. Uh, the former president, you know why he didn't bother me? Because he's entitled. If you know the person's story, he's entitled. Every, if you grew up rich, you're rich. And ain't nobody ever told you nothing. Then how do you think all of a sudden you're going to be humble? You're not going to be humble. You're just not. So therefore, yes, there's an entitlement. Yes, that's why when he lost the elections, he didn't want to believe that he lost. Because he thought he could change everything. Because money can change everything. I'm an equal opportunity, political, um, uh, oriented discussion person. So let's talk about Biden. Those of you who are saying, I can't believe he's Republican. Let's talk about Biden. So the reason why Biden is so tough-headed with this opening up the gas lines is because the people who fund him give him everything he's got. So now his driver is, hey, I got to do this. The reason Biden's the way he is, because he's been, he's been in the Senate and in the politics for 40 years. Within 40 years, you get an entitlement spirit that is no longer about the people. It's about the agenda of the people that have the money. You like that, don't you? Equal opportunity. Republicans, Democrats. Equal. So don't be talking about, he a public, he Republican. No, he Democrat. No, he, you don't know which one I am. Praise the Lord. I'm just trying to choose a point. Entitlement will kill you. And the only way to overcome it is with gratitude. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means how you serve that server. And when that server shows up in your life and you walk around, if you're going to stay to the right or to the left, then what you've got to make sure you do is when you're going over here, you got to say, no, I got to increase my gratitude. I got to increase my gratitude. And even when you get bad service from somebody, you don't have to let them know that it was bad service. Sometimes God's trying to teach you something. Are you going to be a regular person because you got bad service? Or are you going to show how entitled you are? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? You're supposed to be treating me better than this. Or are you going to say, you know what, they must have had a hard day. That's why they're treating me this way. So let me bless them with, let me bless them with a tip that's the size of the, the cost of the meal. And show them that if, if you just flip the script a little bit, I'm blessing you because I'm grateful for what God has given me not because of your behavior. Next one. What's the next one, fam? Which one? Oh, my God. No, y'all. Hey, turn the camera to that one. Let me tell you something. This one, I need to talk to all of you who got a little bit of money. 
Let me tell you something. Say it with me real loud. Everybody, every campus, say this with me, please. This word. Preservation. Let me tell you what happens to you. The more money you get, the more successful you get, the more your company does this. Let me tell you what happens to you. You begin to say to yourself, self, I've got it, so I want to keep it, and I don't want to lose it. What happens to you is, somebody need to run up out of here. What happens to you is, you begin to say to yourself, well, if I take the risk like I used to take, then I might lose everything. If I lose everything, then I might not have anything left. Do you know what got you to where you are? It's called bold faith. So why? Since God used you to get to where you are with bold faith, why now are you going to say, but I just don't want to lose it? When that's not what got you here. Don't watch it. Here's the dangerous part. The more you do this, the more what's going to happen to you is you're going to start doing what happened to David. Now you send all the people out to war. And all of a sudden now you're at home by yourself. Thinking about stuff you have no business. Thinking about seeing stuff you have no business seeing. Because you've gotten soft trying to preserve. And you've lost your bold faith. Now somebody ought to say amen right there. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go. I got to go, y'all. It's time. I got to go. All right, let me give you the last two and then I'm done. The next one is... Thank you. Those of you who are clear enough for reading, what's next? Uh, inner circle. The people in your inner circle matters. You have too many people around you that like you and kiss up to you, and that's all you care about because you want to preserve yourself. But what you need is a diverse group of people who can really hold you accountable and who can really look at you and call you bluff and who can really say, you're not all that. Here's why. Because if you're going to go to the next level, you don't need a group of inner people that will just sing your praises. You need some diverse thought that will take you to a whole nother level. And then lastly, 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 last one is the more successful you are, ladies and gentlemen, the more successful you are, the more opportunities you're going to have. Oh, this is so important. And ladies and gentlemen, opportunities can kill you because the more things you're going to go after. The only way to stabilize opportunity when you're successful. The indicator of success is you have more opportunity. The only way you can stabilize that is if you know what your priorities are and what God's called you to do. So you should have a to-do list and a not-to-do list. On mine, there are only three things on this side. And that's all I do. You can call from A to Z. I'm not doing it unless it fits one of those three. Why? Because everybody will call you and want you to do more and more and more and more and more. That's why you have to have priorities. Here are the three things I do and no more. God helped me to do these three things well, no matter the opportunity that shows up. Can I get a witness, somebody? Amen. My, 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 my. They're called success stabilizers. I gave you the definition of success. Those who know you the most. Those who know you deeply. Love and respect you. So therefore, when you have all these opportunities for success, make sure you keep them in balance. Because if you don't, there's going to be a crash site that everybody will talk about. Which one of those sevens you did not stabilize? Father, will you help one community church? Well, first of all, God, thank you for allowing us to be more successful than any generation in our past. Thank you. For allowing all of us in this room, every last one of us in every campus, in everywhere on the, on, the, on the web. Thank you, God, for allowing us to achieve more than most of our parents ever dreamt of. Now, God, will you help us to not fail the test of success? And will you help us to have stabilizers that when you bless us with resources, we're going to be generous. When you bless us with any of these seven, we're going to make sure we're holding it lightly and we're stabilizing ourselves so that we do not go to the right nor to the left, but we stay aligned with your definition of success. Help us, train us, develop us so that we can go toward what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say? Come on, somebody, wherever you are, give God a round of applause. Come on. All right, stay where you are, please, just for one more moment. If you're here today and you want somebody to pray with you about this thing called success, 
Then as everybody makes their way out, I want you to come on down and we'd love to pray with you. This is a big deal. It's a test. It's one of the tests that Daniel had to face. And it's one that you will have to face too. So don't do it alone. That's why we're here. If you don't know Jesus and you want to trust him as your personal Lord and Savior, when everybody's going out, you come on down. If you're here and you want to join our church today, uh, for one reason or another, when everybody's going on out, you come on down. We have a class at 2 o'clock. You can come down. We'll pray for you and register you for that class today as well. If you're here today, and I want everybody to know, women, you have your Bible study this Wednesday. Men, it's your turn to register for the men's conference coming up. Please make sure you do that and take advantage of the early pricing for that and then register your kids for the premier summer experience that they'll have here at OCC. Thanks so much for being here. Now go get your worship on this week as you worship it in spirit and in truth. And let's get our alignment right with what God's called success to be. Thanks for being here, everybody. If you had not a chance to give as you go out, there are boxes embedded in the walls. You can give there. God